What's up, everyone? I'm going to bet whatever amount you can put out there that no one, no one predicted the scoreline for this past weekend's Orange County versus FC Tulsa match. That saw Orange County victorious 5-1, including a first-half hat trick from Milan Olosky. We'll talk about that. We'll look forward to the upcoming match against El Paso. Welcome to the Podcast of Champions. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Before we get into the soccer talk, I know this is a soccer podcast. We just wanted to share our thoughts and our hearts uh, with those impacted by some tragic events that happened this past week in Orange County, including the coastal fire fire that impacted Laguna Niguel area, um, burning down multiple structures. Luckily, uh, thanks to the amazing firemen and firewomen and first responders, the injuries were limited, so that's appreciated there. Also, hearts and thoughts go out to those that were affected uh, by the tragic shooting that took place in Laguna Woods um, with uh, one person uh, dying, uh, basically what would be considered a hero. Uh, Dr. Don, John Chang uh, basically jumped to action, stopped the shooter um, as best he could, and basically we had less casualties than we probably would have had had he not done so. So thoughts and hearts go out to all of those impacted by that. Uh, if anyone has uh, wants to make a donation to those impacted by that church uh, shooting, uh, go on to Twitter, go to the Orange County SC Twitter page, and they have a link to a GoFundMe for that. Now let's get into what we all are here, and it's to talk about soccer. Um, how's it going, Orange County? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm here to take you through this journey as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Let's run through the gauntlet here and introduce everyone else that's part of this show. First, the man that you used to see weekly in County Line Coalition, but not so much anymore. Uh, but he's still a fan and he's still on the podcast. That's Dylan. Dylan, how you doing, my man? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, it's interesting. I, I guess I am actually, in a way, no longer Dylan from Counting on Coalition. But I'm um, glad we have a bright spot in what's been kind of a really rough week in the Orange County community. Yes, definitely. And I, I did get asked the question when I went to the game this week in my first match of the season. Ray, where's Dylan been? Um, and so they, they miss you there, Dylan. That, that's at least what we can say is they miss you in Caroline Coalition section, the supporter section. I, um, I miss them more. I promise them that. <laughs> Except for Mikey. <laughs> Let's uh, head down south to San Diego and welcome the man that makes us a more legit podcast because he's a member of a legit podcast in the USL show. And that's Mr. Allen. How are you doing, Allen? doing all right um i'm more like the the guy who just like hangs out with the more reputable podcast um but no things are going all right um soccer happened this past weekend but um unless you're a wave fan you didn't know it in san diego so um i'm excited to talk about a soccer match that actually happened T- tough break for you san diego fans of being able to actually go and watch a match uh, for the time being here for a good portion of time, but this is an orange County podcast. We'll let you talk about that towards the end. Uh, we'll discuss that. Let's head up North and to the West slightly to Reno and Mr. Uh, Brad up in Reno. How you doing my man? I'm doing quite well, you know, for the first week and what feels like forever. I'm going to drink beer instead of Malort on an episode of the orange and black podcast, soccer cast. You should just have to drink Malort for already butchering butchering our podcast name there in the first five minutes of our episode. Get that Malort out, Brad. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to do things slightly out of order today just because we do have a guest to help us out uh, with the match preview against El Paso Locomotive. So we're going to start with the preview. Then we will move on to the recap of this past weekend's match. And we have a special guest scheduled to join us at that point. 
as well. Uh, so let's get into this uh, preview. And to help us out with that, we've got another member of the USL show, um, also a, found, a founder of the podcast that covers El Paso Locomotive. If I can remember, it's Seriously Loco. Um, that's, and that's, <laughs> that's Mr. Phil Bakke. Uh Phil, um, welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Guys. How you doing, my man? Thanks. Yeah, uh, doing doing well. Um, it uh, you know, locomotive has been a little bit of a roller coaster so far this season. So um, hoping hoping that we're back on the uh, on the upswing after a tough result in Pittsburgh. But anyways, uh, yeah, pleasure to be on and and uh, looking forward to chatting some some football with you guys. So let's. I'm going to go straight to this question because uh, El Paso was a pretty strong team last season. Um, probably a disappointing uh, early exit from the playoffs for many of the fans and I'm sure the team front office and everyone themselves. Uh, and then it's been a rough start to this season. Um, how has the past, what, six months been as an El Paso locomotive fan? And what are you guys doing to try and uh, uh, not be too depressed over what's been going on? Yeah, I, it has been, a, it, it's been a weird um, few months. I think it all kind of started, obviously, you know, no one was expecting um, after that, playoff exit for us to be looking for a new manager at least not um involuntarily i guess um so when when mark announced that he was going to indy that that was definitely kind of the you know the first blow of man things for next season not really looking like they're going to plan but um i would say the appointment of john hutchinson after that everybody it kind of went back to, you know, we're, we're not that far removed from being an expansion team being in season four. So um, it felt almost a, a little akin to season one where it's like, man, we don't really know. It's sort of an unknown quantity, not really known in the league and um, building some of the roster back. So, uh, so yeah, I think a lot of it going into the season, it felt a lot like season one um, and the beginning of the season has kind of been like that where it's, we, I think locomotive, have obviously it was some really rough results at the beginning of the season but i think they've they've started to as we were watching the games we're like okay either the results are going to start to match the numbers or the numbers are going to regress to match the results and luckily what's happened so far over the last few games anyways and and um the last couple of weeks has been the results are finally starting to be closer to the actual like numbers performance. Um, and, uh, and I think we've probably, uh, we've probably enjoyed some, uh, yeah, some good, some, some good results recently. And I will, I will address this. Eric Calvillo has uh, over the last couple of weeks, really, really uh, come into his own for locomotive and actually grabbed his first goal for the club against LA galaxy two um, in El Paso, a couple of, uh, a couple of games ago. So, um yeah i uh i think eric is is uh endearing himself to the locomotive faithful but yeah it's been up and down um so far but i think with a new manager coming in and all that it's you know it's to be expected a little bit so i'll, I'll say this i mean you guys are like i mean fans loved eric calvillo last season especially towards the end of the year and in the playoffs um so we definitely miss him here in orange county uh, i think he is one of those players because i think when he first came to orange county too it took him a month or so to get sort of in the swing of things and find his footing with the team. Um, so, and then he hit his stride towards the end of the season. So hopefully he does good for you guys, but doesn't hit that great stride and helps lead you guys into a late season run. Um, that's just coming as an orange County fan, uh, nothing against El Paso. Uh, you look at the table, you look at El Paso, right? They've, they, it's been a, a mixed bag of results for them, but one thing you're noticing only one draw in the 11 matches. So they're either winning or losing. They're not, uh, it doesn't seem like they're, they're playing or they're trying for draws. Like maybe what many orange County fans would say about our squad. You guys are looking for that win. And sometimes it works uh, more often. It doesn't work. Uh, is that what you're noticing as a fan with El Paso? And um, what's uh, what's the thought process from the fans on that win or lose attitude? Yeah. So I mean, I don't this this reference. I know with Orange County's um, affiliation with uh, with Rangers. Um, I know this may not sit that well uh, with the with the podcast, but. Um, Ange Postacoglu, who is who is Celtics manager now, um, John Hutchinson was his assistant 
when when he was in the J League with Yokohama. Um, so basically, it's an all action style. He plays really similar style of football to Ange, um, and it is. Yeah, it's it's all out like, um, you know, fullbacks joining in the attack. Um, it is like really similar to what you might see from like a Manchester City in England, like in terms of the fullbacks getting in field. There's a lot of uh, high intensity pressing, really just like going for it. And I think in the first like opening form of the season, we really saw a handful of players who were adjusting to the style and it wasn't going great. I think Evan Newton is probably the biggest example um, in goal. He was being asked to to sweep, to play like a, a lot more of an active role at, at keeper than he's used to. And it, w- it led to a lot of like comical goals. Like if you watch back some of the some of the goals that El Paso were conceding early in the season, it was it was brutal. And it was like very predictable where any time a ball was being played in behind um you know nico brett is a uh, nico brett's goal against locomotive for united for new mexico united um one of danny trejo's goals um they're these like chips over the keeper just because he's kind of in no man's land and so anyways like this all action style a lot of people struggle to adjust to it um oh and let me be really clear i want to i want to say that <laughs> that i know there's levels to this i'm just saying like in terms of the what's being asked of the players it's it's similar tactically i know i'm not saying that locomotive or man city by any stretch um but the style the style is is reminiscent so um so anyways the some of those goals i and i think if you watch back a handful of the uh a handful of locomotives recent games you'll see that that understanding between the defense and and goalkeeper has has really shored up a lot over the last over the last couple of weeks and and things have uh have definitely looked a lot more solid and the goal scoring hasn't really slowed down i mean they got they got held goalless in in pittsburgh but i think a lot of teams get held goalless in pittsburgh if we're being honest so um so yeah i i uh i think the goal scoring is there they are the highest scoring team in the league so far this season and now the defense is kind of getting to a point where they're you know performance wise they're not letting themselves down quite as easily as they were earlier in the season yeah you you knew exactly where i was going to go next looking at the 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 table uh, el paso is the leading goal scoring team in the league even with orange county's five goals this past week and they're still <laughs> nine back of el paso for the season although el paso has played two additional games uh above orange county so i guess if orange county can duplicate what they did uh, over their next two matches in El Paso or, or to even it out, then maybe Orange County takes the lead. But um, obviously I don't think any Orange County fan thinks that that's a sustainable thing for our team. Uh, let me ask you for El Paso. Is that sustainable? Like just being a high powered offensive team, is that something that the team can do for the full season? And is that in your eyes, a winning formula for El Paso? Or is there something differently that you would like to see out of this team uh, maybe to help uh, fight for a championship? Yeah, I think, I think with the, I think the goal scoring is is sustainable. I think when you look across when you look across these attackers, um, the goals don't necessarily come from from one um, main man. Although I will say uh, Lucho Solonyak has really picked up his uh, goal scoring form over the last few games, and he missed a decent part of the beginning of the season because he actually had a had a child um, early on. Um, so he missed a handful of the first few games and he's already got five goals, um, even though he's kind of playing catch up. So he's uh, he's gotten right into goal scoring form, but right alongside him, Josue Ron Gomez um, has has been in good form. And then you've got uh, Dylan Maris, Diego Luna um, joining in the attack as well. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, I'd say there's a lot of different versatile attacking players, um, and then uh, they've got well, I would say I would say luckily for for the opponents of Locomotive, probably one of my favorite signings of the offseason, Emmanuel Sanupe is is unfortunately injured. He's been one of our more dynamic kind of wingers, but Cristiano Francois, who you know applied his trade in Miami last year, he's he's did not get off to the greatest start uh, with Locomotive, but he's looked unbelievable over the last couple of games. 
Um, and so I'm really excited to see him add some some goals to the assists he started to provide from the from that wing position. Um, and I think in terms of I think a helicopter is coming for me. I don't know. Um, anyways, I uh, I think in terms of what I want to see from Locomotive, it's they've exerted a lot of control over games. They've they've ex- exerted a lot of uh, you know they've had a lot of possession in a lot of games um, and they've scored a lot of goals, but really it just comes down to they they do need to maintain that defensive solidity. And I think they've found the pairing now in, and I know there'll be a couple of people in chat who will, who will chuckle at this, but Andrew Fox and, and Yuma um, as a center back pairing um, Yuma, I know is not the most popular man in USL over the last few months or few weeks, maybe years. I don't know, but um but yeah, that that pairing in center back has has really uh, settled things down, and um, and I think that's what we were all looking for in El Paso was just some level of defensive solidity to match the goal scoring. That you're just reading our minds, Phil, for all these segues. Um, I was actually going to ask about a now 36 year old Yuma playing as a center back, um, and Lowry Ball for all of its um, positives. Kind of the way to play against it was invite them to get pretty high up and then just play a long ball over the top over the center backs. Um, how have things changed now? And I mean, how are, how are teams getting through? Cause it's been a, you know, 13 points from 11 matches for El Paso. It hasn't been great. How have teams been getting through the defense? Yeah. Um, the long balls over the top definitely were killers initially. And I think a lot of, a lot of goals um, that we were conceding were just that, like they would just find that space in behind. Yuma did miss a decent chunk at the beginning of the season. And it, it's crazy to think of him as a solution to that because, I mean, on paper, yeah, 36-year-old center back doesn't like, and you're having problems with runs in behind. It doesn't really make a ton of sense. But the pairing of him and the pairing of him and Andrew Fox has helped. Um, Andrew Fox had been playing it at left back primarily. And I think actually, if you asked him, he prefers to play as a left back, but he's now played center back in some, in some way, shape or form, like whether it's filling in for injuries or whatever, basically at different points of all of the four seasons that he's been with us. And I think it's by far his best position. And he is kind of that more traditional, like athletic, like big, uh, central defender. Um, and he was primarily playing at left back when um, when El Paso was having these like defensive woes. Um, so I think having him at center back, having somebody who can cover the space in behind um, the fullbacks, because the fullbacks get they get involved in the attack. Harry Brockbank at right back and Edder Borelli at left back, like they are gonna they're gonna bomb on, like they're gonna get involved in the attack. Um, and that's where the space has often been like, even in, you know, rec- as recently as like the Loudon match, they were constantly just, they were just putting the ball in behind the fullback. And it really just, it really did take like a, a little bit of a tactical tweak to try to, to try to shut that space down. And um, for whatever reason, the pairing of, of Yuma and Foxy um, it, it ends up, it ends up working pretty decently, but yeah, I mean they are they are gonna be susceptible to that. I think the um you know, I think any any of these teams that play like that intense, like high pressure style, that ball over the top is gonna be like the way in behind. And I and I'd fully expect, you know, um teams to continue to try to to try to exploit that. Um, but I think the improvement the improvement in and like the development of the relationship of that backline um, has made it a lot less of a uh, easy target than it was in the, in the opening weeks of the season. Okay. And uh, a final question for me um, is Luna coin still going to the moon. Is that <laughs> on board for 2022? <laughs> yeah. AKA Diego coin. Uh, yeah. It's uh, he's, he's been, he's been so good. And, and I think, the thing, the thing that strikes me about about Luna, I absolutely think this is his last season with Locomotive. Um, I, I I have no delusions of us being able to to keep hold of him for much longer. Um, he has played a slightly different role most of the time this year than he did last year. He like played on the wing uh, a lot uh, last year, 
and in you know as part of like the attacking trio now he's playing deeper in midfield most of the time and he's still just really he, it's unbelievable like the level that he can impact a game and i actually do like him making those late runs uh into the box and and still being dangerous but yeah for me i mean obviously i i, I joke on on twitter but it is uh it he is one of the best one of the best young talents in usl right now and and uh i think his stock is only going to rise and unfortunately i think it's going to outgrow locomotive sooner than later yeah, so it would probably be an understatement to say both Orange County and El Paso have been kind of underperforming at the beginning of the season. Um, what do you see as far as like opportunities El Paso can exploit for Orange County, or where, based on? I mean, we've you talked a little bit about some of the weaknesses earlier, but where are some of those things that you think Orange County might be able to get some joy against El Paso? Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of Orange County getting at El Paso, it's it, it is the counter like that, it, you know, that really is like looking for the opportunities on the counter and forcing, forcing locomotive to um, turn and face their own goal um, stuff played in front of them, like through the midfield, especially if, I mean, and again, I'm referencing like the old guard of, of locomotive, but when, when Richie Ryan and, and, and the likes of Eric Calvillo can like keep the game in front of them and, and force you to play through midfield, it can get, um, I think it can get frustrating for teams. So they often end up just bypassing the midfield because it's, it's a way easier route. Um, and I mean, we've, I think locomotive have suffered, you know, in the past uh, at the hands of orange County um, and, and the counterattack. So I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect their game plan to be, to be much, much different than what you've seen um, previously in terms of, in terms of what I think, I, I do think that, um, I think this locomotive side can be they like they can score a lot of goals. And so they are going to force there. There's going to be moments in this where Orange County are like battening down the hatches. I think now it won't be the entire game and it won't be, you know, you get no team's going to keep that up for 90 minutes. And I'm not saying that locomotive are going to dominate, but they are going to have a lot of the ball probably. And they, there will be periods of the game where they are kind of camped in in orange County's half. And so I think really it'll just be about orange County, like defending those moments well, and, and really like taking their opportunities. Cause um, yeah, for all their, for all their faults, like this is no, by no means a, a perfect locomotive team. They create a, a lot of chances. I think they're sixth in the league in XG um, and they have a lot of the ball. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think that's where for a locomotive, I'm saying like keep the pressure on and force, you know, force Orange County to make to to play, you know, perfect defense um for as long as possible. But um for for Orange County, it's definitely yeah, that that counterattack. Better Mexican food, Texas or California. <laughs> I mean, it's Texas. No, get him by, out. He's by, out. By a lot, by a million. No, no he's out. All right. <laughs> See, but, but here's the thing, right? At least, <laughs> at least in California, right? We don't have to go and say Cali Mex food like Texas uh, people have to do. They have to they have to put Texas uh, in front of the Mex to make I, it uh, their own, right? We don't go Cali Mex. We just say Mexican food in Texas. It's Tex Mex. Uh, yeah, I mean, no one, no one said. Uh, I don't know in El Paso. In El Paso, no one said Tex Mex because I mean, we were we were just you know with Juarez right there. Same, same deal. I feel like Juarez, you know, and, and like Allen's down in San Diego, you know, I feel like it's similar, similar vibe, you know, to El Paso like Juarez border town. The, the San Diego TJ connection is sort of similar. Yeah. Going border on there. Town. Yeah. Now, now I got, I, I don't know uh, geographically, but I, I would assume there's Whataburger there in El Paso. Um, have you had in and out and what would you say is the better burger in and out or Whataburger? And I know you're, you're a Texan. So it's going to hurt if you say it and out, but I want you to be honest about it. Yeah. So I am, I, I promise I'm being, I'm, I promise I'm being very, very honest here um, because I have had both and I'm not native. I'm not a native Texan. I was a, I was a transplant The you know, the army brought me there originally, but I, uh, I think, 
I think by by a slight margin, Whataburger is the better is the better burger. But he but here's want to lose any followers from the El Paso crowd by saying by saying Whataburger. Here's the thing. Um, here's the I don't thing. know. Feel, it, here's ahead, the thing. Ahead. In and out, like don't. And this may be a very unpopular thing that I'm about to say, but I like the animal style. What like when? What? Why did that become? You know why did Thousand Island dressing like when did that become like the move? It spread. It spread. I and I don't know. Maybe I'm just. I maybe I just don't have the refined the refined well, palate. The animal style. It's not just the spread. It's also the grilled onions and the pickles thrown on there. And to be honest, I don't do a full animal style. I just do the the spread, the pickles, and extra grilled onions. That's my that's my in and out style burger right there. I don't need the lettuce, the tomatoes. I don't need those those healthy parts of it. Just give me all the unhealthy aspects uh, that you put on a burger to make it good. The only thing missing from In and Out, and you may relate to this because you're so you know as an El Paso person, you got that closeness to to New Mexico. Is that red or green chili that you can add to a burger that you can get? I don't know if Whataburger does that, but I know there's some burger places in New Mexico that you can go and get some you know good green chili thrown onto your burger. That's the one thing missing. From In and Out, the closest thing to that is those yellow peppers. Those, those. I mean, they're decent, but they're still not what you get from like the good New Mexico green chili. This is a Dylan has something to say. Podcast. <laughs> hey, it is, but that, you know, but... <laughs> it is. Uh, really quick, uh, uh, for time purposes, I want to just get to uh, the predictions for this match. Really quick, before we do so, let's bring up the standings for our prediction contest. Uh, we have. Uh, this past week, I actually had a really great week thanks to the scoreline, although I would have loved the 5-0 shutout. That one goal uh, conceded in extra time uh, that uh, allowed that one goal for Tulsa gave me an extra three points on that. So now I jump up seven points, and I don't think you guys got any points this past week because you all predicted either a draw or a Tulsa victory. So I'm on a roll. That's pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, so... Uh, but here's our standings. Go for it, Brad. This is your your segment. All right. Uh, With his bad internet, of course, so I don't know if he'll be able to do it. Maybe I'll hand it off to Alan. Yeah. You can take over for Brad. Oh, uh, no. Oh, Brad, he just came back as soon as he said his internet was down. <laughs> I'm reluctant to push it over to Brad because he looked like he was frozen. Uh <laughs> Uh, Dylan would be in place if he picks first. What's your prediction, Dylan? One one. Search predictions. Go for it, Dylan. I'm going one one here. All right. I, one, I think one last week was prediction. an anomaly. One one. <laughs> interesting. Ray, you're up next. Can I go next then. Yeah, so, you're gonna let the guests choose, right? Yeah, I'm gonna let our guests choose. So Phil, you get to predict. You get to do my official prediction for this, but I want you to be an unbiased soccer fan i don't want you to do it as an el paso fan do it as a what do you actually think the final score will be for this match um yeah i am gonna go uh 2-1 to the locos so i think it's just uh yeah super close i think it could even be like bundled similar to that 2-2 we had uh what was that last year you know bundled finish across the line like in deep into stoppage time, but I think I think locomotive create the create the more chances and, and get the win. But Alan, what's your prediction? Uh I'm gonna go two two, I think is what I said on the USL show. So I'm gonna be consistent. Um it is a theme of Orange County and El Paso that a team either scores zero or they score two. Uh and it's been two draws the last two times they've played. So there's lots of twos. So I'm just gonna roll with it in two two. <laughs> And Brad, uh, if you can get strong enough connection for at least 30 seconds here, what is your prediction for this match? If not, throw it in the chats. Three to two. Three to two, Orange County. I'll throw it in the chat. There we go. I think he said three to two, Orange County. Folks, put your predictions or let Brad know your predictions for this match so you can be part of our contest. Um, I want to thank Phil for joining us for this episode. Phil, you can hang out with us a little bit longer if you want to. I know it's a little bit late for you. Um, I'll give you that option. Yes or no? I I am going to take off because I'm in Eastern time, unfortunately. But I will. Uh, no, I'll, I'll I'll be. Yeah, tune into the match. It should be it should be a fun one, regardless. And thanks for having me. 
yeah, and check out Phil on the USL show. Um, and Phil, if people want to uh, hear more from you, where do they go on social media or what podcast do they listen to? Yeah. Um, so I'm at Phil Talks Footy on Twitter. Uh, and then you can listen. If you want more locomotive stuff, you can find my show, Seriously Loco, um, at Seriously Loco. And uh, I do a European soccer podcast, too, called uh, Hardcore, Hardcore Football at HXC Footy. Uh, or I at HXC football, on like a Liverpool thing here or something, because I think you're a Liverpool fan. I am, and I'm trying not to jinx anything or do anything that might, you know. There's a lot going on, <laughs> so I'm trying to just ride that wave. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time, Phil, for jo- uh, joining us on the episode to help preview the match. Uh, best of luck to you the rest of the season. Just hopefully, uh, El Paso stumbles against Orange County this weekend. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, best of luck aside from Saturday. <laughs> awesome so again reverse order on the show so we now previewed uh this upcoming match but let's now look back at the previous match and we figured what better way to look back at the previous match than to bring on the reigning usl championship player of the week uh got a hat trick in the first half against fc tulsa and um let's just say this also now the second Oloski to be on our show. Um, Brian's been on the show before. Now we got Milan Oloski. Uh, Milan, welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. No, thank you so much for taking some time in your evening to join us. Uh, let me just ask you this. A hat trick in the first half. I believe this is your first professional hat trick. Um, what did uh, Brother Brian say after after you got that hat trick? And how did you make that happen in the first half? Uh, yeah, he, I saw him at halftime. He was in the locker room, so... He was joking with me, telling me I should have had one more. But, uh, yeah, no, it was great. It was a great start to the game for the team. And, you know, the goals were all great assists. And I think that, you know, it spoke about how well the group played. And I think that I was just the guy that finished off the chances. And, yeah, ultimately it was a great performance in that first half. Yeah, and you know, it's been a little bit of a struggle for Orange County to put up a strong offensive performance this season. Uh, but this was sort of out of nowhere, uh, five goals in the first half. Uh, how did that happen? Like, what did, was there just like the right momentum from the team going on? Were you guys all just hitting on all cylinders or did you guys find something in the Tulsa uh, defense that you guys knew and you guys could exploit? No, I think, uh, I think that we, uh, throughout the week worked on keeping the ball more. And I think that we emphasized that. And I think that you saw it in the game, we looked a lot more patient and yeah, I think ultimately the work that we did in training leading up to it, resulted in a good performance and i think um was tulsa set up i don't think so i think that you know they were a good team and they've had good results this year but i think that we were able to just dictate play the way we wanted to and finish our chances i think that's what it came down to at the end of the day um let me let me ask you just be honest like when you came to orange county it was sort of uh it wasn't like this headlining signing that orange County announced early on. It was sort of this in the works thing. You joined the club. You've been given this early opportunity due to maybe some injuries and just an opportunity of what we need from you on the pitch. Um, what has uh, helped you take advantage of these opportunities and, and earn this spot where you're consistent in the starting 11? Uh, yeah, you know, I was waiting. I had a few offers to go to MLS uh, from real salt Lake, but, Ultimately, I decided in my career right now, I need to get minutes. I need to play. And I think, you know, part of the idea was to play with Brian and play with someone that I think could work really well with me, not just because we're brothers, but also we just would fit really well on the field together. And I spoke with the coaching staff. I came into preseason and trained with the team a couple of days before I signed to see if it was a good fit for me. And, um, yeah, and now, you know, it's, I kind of hit the ground running a little bit, started the year off strong, and then had a little dip in form there, but, you know, scored a couple of goals this last weekend. And hopefully now that'll jumpstart me for this middle part of the year and it can help the team get more results and help us keep getting these wins. Now I, I got to ask this cause we brought up your brother, uh, Brian, but you have another brother that plays uh, this sport. So what is it in the Oloski household that produces three professional uh, soccer players as far as the, uh, you know, USL uh, quality players here? Like, is, is this just, the hard work from you guys, or was there something that maybe some athletic traits that got passed down? What do you think uh, led to all three of you having uh, USL careers? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, our, our dad played professionally. Ultimately he couldn't cause he had to start providing for, you know, us uh, at a young age. So I think that, you know, back then when you're playing, you know, playing soccer, he played for the soccers. And so 
there wasn't enough money to provide for a family. So he had to stop his career early and he was our coach our whole life. Our mom was very athletic. So that probably helped us on that side of things. But we all were in love with the sport from a young age. When I was, you know, four or five years old, I, I knew that's what I want to do the rest of my life. And it wasn't that I was forced into it or anything. It was that it was, you know, my older brothers did it. I always would go to their games when I was a little kid and wanted to go run out in the field and play. And then, um, yeah, our dad was more than happy to help us and train us and, you know, take time out of work sometimes to, you know, be our coach in the afternoon. And ultimately we had a lot of, you know, battles in the backyard, I guess. And that just made us love it more and love the competitiveness of it. And I think that's why you see us all having careers now in the sport. Yeah, and we have Alan from San Diego, so he he knows all about soccer. And it's interesting. There's this really strong soccer's connection between Orange County uh, and and the soccer's. You know, when you look at some of the coaching uh, that we've had, some of the former players we've had with parents that have played for soccer's, um, which is really interesting. Let me ask you this: uh, Out of you and your brothers, who's the best Alaski um, out there? Who's the one that's going to end up having the best career? Oh, uh, that's a, such a tough one. Everyone always that's the question everyone always has, but I mean. It's tough to say. I think if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I would just said me, me flat out. But I got I'm a little bit more mature now, so uh, I think I would say it depends what you're looking for. I think that we can give anything. I think if you're looking for a guy who's got a lot of pace and athleticism and really good defensively, you go with Eric. If you're looking for that midfielder who's amazing on the ball and can you know get assists, you're gonna want Brian. I think if you want a goal scorer and someone who's got a little bit more of a, a little more of a bit of flair to them, I guess you could say. I think you go with me. So. I guess it really just depends on what you need. Uh, I'm going to hand it off to Dylan for our next question. Sure. En- enough talking about uh, on-field Milan Olaski. Granted, uh, nine goal involvements in 11 matches. Like That's going to do plenty to endear you to the fans. Um, what What is it about Milan Olaski off the pitch? Um, you know, we've got Miko, who loves social distortion. Um, we've got Richard Chaplow, who loves carrots, apparently. I mean, what... <laughs> What's your little weird niche thing that uh, that you bring to the locker room? Um, I, everyone knows me now as a golfer. I think that's the that's the funniest thing that I bring. I think that you know everyone. I don't know how this got started, but apparently I'm, I I golf a lot. I do golf quite a bit, but I've been golf with all of the guys a little bit, and that's kind of my thing now in the locker room. Everyone calls me a golfer, so Orozco likes to give me a lot of stick about that one. Actually, about playing a lot of golf, he always tells me I play more golf than soccer. So. I don't know how that one got started, but yeah, huge golfer. I think, you know, to the fans, I think they can relate with me. It's just, you know, someone from the area, you know, I grew up 45 minutes from here and grew up knowing about Orange County and going to the games at Great Park. And I think that, you know, I'm a local kid who just went up, went to school up at UCLA. So I've always been around this area my whole life. So, you know, I'm familiar with the area, the type of people, the, you know, the social groups and the type, and the type of people that Orange County has. And, it's a great area and I've always wanted to live here. And now that I'm not just living here, but playing for the club, it's, you know, it's a pleasure for me. And I always try and make as much time for the fans after the games and, you know, even during the games, walking in at halftime and stuff and, you know, giving all the kids high fives. And that's something that, you know, I try and not take for granted. So we got a uh, El Patron de Grayson uh, listening live and he wants to ask what's your handicap when it comes to golf. I'm a one right now. So I'm, I'm pretty good, but we'll see. We'll see if I can get that down a little. And I'll hand it back to you, Dylan, but I have to just make ask one ask of Milan is just don't uh, be like Gareth Bale and let golf become your primary <laughs> enjoyment instead of soccer. Yeah. Um, I'm a Tottenham fan. So we've, uh, although this happened more in the Real Madrid era, I don't want to see you, you, you fall more in love with golf and want to just maybe play golf all day and not actually do the soccer thing, unless that's really what you want to do. If, but I'm just saying this is an orange kind of fan. Gareth- if I, it worked for him. So if I can have that career, I, I think I'll take it. So we'll, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Go, go back um, to you, Dylan. All right. One quick question for you. And then I'll circle back at the end. Um, Milan, on average, when your mom gets mad at you, how many of your brother's names does she get through before she gets to yours? Um, what do you mean? Like, you think, like yelling at me first or like... Uh... Yeah, we'll say that you've done something wrong. Is she screaming Eric and then Brian before she gets to you? Is it... Brian, then you. Is it Eric first because he's the oldest? No, it's, it's always me. Brian's the oldest. Eric's Eric's the middle one. But oh, okay. No, it's always it's always me that's in trouble for anything. If even if Eric does something wrong, it's still me somehow. So I was always the one that got blamed for everything. It usually was me to be honest, you know. But uh, it was always me. I was always the first name out of the mouth, no matter what it was. 
Fair enough. <laughs> Alan. Alan, so, do you have any questions? Yeah. So you mentioned your, your college career at UCLA. Uh, you had quite the um, quite a few accolades in UCLA. Um, Orange County tends to bring in young talent as well. So uh, what do you uh, say to a young uh, soccer player? Um, either do you go pro? Do you go college? Like what's your perspective knowing that you did have, you know, a really successful college career at UCLA? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. You know, that's, I've, I've talked to quite a few people about this, actually. And, you know, it's such a tough one because it really depends on the person, the type of person, what they value, their family values. And I think, you know, I I grew up valuing school and education. And, you know, I believe that not only do you go to college for the education, but I think that you grow up a lot. And if I would have turned pro at 17, which I had the option to do, you know, it would have been I would be a completely different person than I am now. I wouldn't have the values that I have now. I wouldn't have the characteristics. I'd probably be very immature and not, you know, be able to handle the ups and downs that come with being a professional soccer player because it's not all good. I went through two tough, really, really tough years at RSL, not getting the minutes I thought that, you know, I not only deserved, but I thought that, you know, I would just get being a part of the squad for that long. But, you know, I was able to handle those moments by going through stuff in college, whether it was, you know, it might sound funny, but like turning in papers or like doing schoolwork, like that all in the end helps you mature as a person, like having roommates, living on your own, doing those types of things. I think, you know, it's completely different than if you turn pro early, but I mean, it also depends on the person. If you're, you know, 16, 17 and you're a guy like Kobe Henry and, you know, you could potentially have this great, great future, then it's tough to, you know, turn, turn down a professional contract when there's such a great future potentially. So it's definitely a battle that you have to have with yourself. And ultimately it comes down to the individual, I think, and what they and their family values. All right, so you're a WWE wrestler. What is your entrance song? Oh wow, I I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> uh, that's a tough one. I have no clue, honestly. Probably like something from when I was a little kid. I loved Eminem. I had a shaved head. My friends just called me B Rabbit. So I don't know something from him. Probably I'm not sure. So let me, let, let me ask you then, staying with music, right? Milan, if you if you opened up your phone, whatever streaming music service you use, what song would be on the, the, the next playlist right now? What song would be playing if you plugged your phone in or connected to Bluetooth, whatever we want to do with that? Uh, I don't know. My girlfriend forced me to listen to a lot of country lately. So it'd be something to do with country, I'd say. I honestly, I'm, I kind of like it, to be honest. I didn't like At first, I was like, you're crazy. I'm not listening to it. But I, I don't mind it now. So I'd probably just go to a country playlist and press shuffle. Or she would send me some song to listen to, and I would have to do that. So they'd have to do something with country probably right now. See, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving Milan a lot more now because he's very similar to me. I was like hip hop as a youngster. And then my wife got me into country and some yeah. other stuff, which is really cool. Awesome there. Um, okay. Karaoke. If you're at the karaoke bar, what song are you putting in for your rotation? If you're forced to sing a song, what song is it you're doing? Uh, we had a karaoke, uh, night in college one time as a team. I did ice, ice baby. I'd probably go with that one. Now, the big question is, you did the song. Did you do the dance moves with it as well? No, I can't do that. I'm not I'm not much of a dancer. That's Brian, actually. He's the dancer out of us. <laughs> Brian's the dancer of the group. We'll have to if you can believe see if we can it, get yeah. a, dance, uh, a dance video of him. If you can send us an old dance video of Brian, if you have one hidden oh, away, send it our way and we can show it on our pod. I have a couple that I can send you guys. <laughs> um, and then uh, one last question before I move on to Dylan for your final question. Uh do you have like maybe a top three all-time soccer player list? Like if you have like your favorite three players of all time, who would they be? Rooney. That's the person that I fell in love watching was was Rooney. He was the guy I watched my whole life, and that's the person that made me fall in love with it. Uh, so he's number one. Uh, I'm a huge fan of like Messi and those types of guys, but that's kind of basic in my opinion, so I'm not going to say them. I would say uh, Iniesta would be another one. I'll say him. I think he's someone that I can look up to. And uh, last one, I'll go Pirlo because I think he's just just quality. I think that's something I value. So I'd say those three. 
I know I, I know I said I'd hand it off to Dylan, but I, I do have to ask one more thing just because our producer threw something on uh on the social media chats here. Uh you, apparently you, you scored five goals against San Diego State in your UCLA career. Uh what's the bigger moment? That or the first half hat trick against FC Tulsa? Uh that's a tough one because this is like this is a professional match and it has all these you know different elements too and it's helped me like in this moment so i would say this one but then again like that those five goals gave me a lot of you know publicity and probably helped me get the contract that i got to go to rsl so it's a tough one but i'd say this one just because it's a professional match and i think that it's ultimately a harder opponent and a higher level and well you have to go with a higher level performance awesome your your turn dylan all right one final garbage question for you milan and we'll get you out of here um what is your favorite vegetable and how do you prepare it vegetable uh i'll go asparagus and um i like to salt pepper season it and then throw it in the oven and i like them to be like really crunchy so i'll say that so your roommate's probably not a big fan of you then no brian taught me how to make it actually so he's the one that showed me that one fair enough yeah that's my favorite there we go. Uh, Milan, do you have any last message for any fans that are listening or watching live to this uh, this episode? Uh, no, I'd say, you know, thank you for all your support so far this year. Come out, you know, to the next match. I think we have Beer Fest, so that's going to be quite an event again. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate all the support. I can't wait to see you guys in the next match. Awesome, and we're looking forward to see you score uh, your next hat trick with Orange County, hopefully maybe this next match, but who knows. But we'd love to see just more – Uh, goals from not just you, but your teammates. And and we're hoping for uh, a turn of, of the offensive uh, aggressiveness. And we see you guys scoring a lot of goals this point uh, from this point on. Um, Once again, thank you so much for joining us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, goal scorer, hat trick goal scorer in this last match from your orange County soccer club, Milan Olaski. Thank you so much for uh, taking your time to join us uh, on this episode. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Awesome. You too. Wow, we got Dylan as the uh, main face there after we let uh, Mr. Lasky go. Uh, it's, you know, awesome. I mean, now the Lasky family leads our show in the number of family members on our on our podcast. I don't know if there's ever going to be another family that can, can top that, especially who knows, maybe one day we even get Eric on the team and he joins our show. They're just going to run the the table on the number of family members on our show. Um. Dylan, what are your thoughts of, of, of what you saw from this past match? I'm going to say this. I, I, I'm i going to say this right now. This was the first match of the season that I went to at, at home match. I did go to the uh, Open Cup match at uh, the bank, but this was my first home match of the season, and we scored five goals in the first half. Maybe I'm the missing link. Maybe I need to be at more matches, and maybe that'll help the team score more. What do you think, Dylan? Let's give it a shot. Um, I think this week was an anomaly with the amount of goals we scored, but I, I do like hearing that we focused on trying to actually maintain possession because we don't have a really fast number nine to get on the things. Um, and we can't rely on a hat trick from Alonowski every single week to get us through the rest of the season. Um, that being said, and I think um, producer Andy would also probably say the same thing because we had the same thought. It's not great, even if we're up 5-0. It's not great conceding a goal in stoppage time because if it's 2-1 or 1-0 or 1-1, I, I just wonder about our ability to, to see out a game still. Um, and again, if last week was an anomaly, we do need all of the games. Or excuse me, we do need all of the, uh, all of the goals to, to really get anything out of these games, apparently. So a couple of things with this match, I, I, you know, the rumor mill got to me and I heard that there was uh, some discussion from the front office that was trying to get these players a little bit pumped up and ask them to do more or maybe focus more on some offense. So maybe that's something that's in play there. Maybe that's something we're going to see a change up through the season. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is we were one goal away for Orange County. If Orange County would have scored one more goal, I would have got some sort of like golden seat at the stadium. I was talking to, uh, Jeff from the club um, just sort of talked about, Hey, it's my first game here and we're doing this good. He's like, well, if they can score six goals, we'll get you a golden seat at the stadium or something like that. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. As far as the conceding 
in what the 92nd, 93rd minute, whenever it was, I will take that. Cause that gave me three points in our prediction contest. And it was sort of a goal that didn't matter anyways at that point. Although I would have loved as a fan and as of a, a purist of the sport, I would have loved the shutout uh, and the five nil shutout there. But you know, we have this, this, this competition between us and it, it helped me really leapfrog into second place and only two points behind you, Dylan. So you must be scared at this point. You're like shaking in your boots, right? No, what what happens happens, right? Um, Alan, your uh, thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, there's a couple concerning still. Um, Orange County hasn't kept a clean sheet since the Oakland playoff match, um, so I think that's one thing to kind of keep an eye on. I think 12 straight games without a clean sheet, uh, a five nil would have been really nice and something to build from. I think that's something that Orange County needs to clean up especially if they're going to play a little bit more of a defensive approach. Uh, you're going to need to start seeing some clean sheets. Uh, this is also is not Orange County's biggest win against FC Tulsa. Uh, in 2018, they won 6-1 and 5-0, uh, home and on the road against Tulsa. Um, the last time there were five goals in a match was the 5-3 craziness uh, FC Tulsa in 2019. Uh, against Orange County. Uh, so Tulsa, may, uh, Orange County maybe just plays well against Tulsa. Tulsa looked really weak as well. Uh, definitely, um, I think once the couple goals went in, they were just like, all right, we're just going to mail this one in. We'll not try super hard and maybe get out of here with uh, with uh, uh, without any injuries. Although picking up that red card probably hurts them. Uh, this is pretty much total domination from Orange County over Tulsa. Um, there's definitely some things that you can take from this. Again, another set-piece goal from uh, Keningas to Olaski, um, I think, is um, something of note. Um, I, I think that's something that that Orange County should be ha- happy with. Sorry, was that Kubo Torres on that first goal? Um uh, you know, I some set so. piece. I believe it was yeah. Kubo on the yeah. first goal. Sorry, well, on that first goal, set piece from Kaningas, which he is uh, really good at that stuff. So it's great, great to see him uh, continuing to have a good season. Um, the ball through from Kaningas, um, almost offside. I was talking to Andy beforehand. If Kaningas plays this with his right foot, um, I think Alaski's offside. But I think it takes a kind of a weird bounce and touch that makes. Keningas play it with his left more preferred left foot and it makes the the center back from Tulsa step back uh to keep Olaski onside like if it, it I was like wait that's off wait no that's not off um so probably a pretty good call from the linesman it's too close to call regardless I think you give the benefit of the doubt um if you're not sure to the attacking player and he just does a great job with his ball so there's a lot of positives to take from this Tulsa also was um what the cool kids are calling hot, a hot mess uh, in this match. So some of it, I think, is maybe Orange County is kind of finding some of their form, uh, and Tulsa just pooped the bed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Orange County does against El Paso. Um, and then they have, you know, Atlanta and Oakland. And so I think Orange, if Orange County can build some positives against El Paso, I think that they can go on a nice little run here uh, to um, raise up the Western Conference. Because right now it's kind of this middle ground is all kind of muddy, right? Sacramento to re- RGV, you know, that's only three points, points separating fifth from 11th. Uh, this is like old school Western Conference USL where there's like three points separating a home playoff match from like the bottom of the West. So uh, some positives for orange County, I think uh, that we can build from um, moving forward. And again, I really like what Keningus is doing. I think he's taking a step up uh, as far as a distributor and a set piece taker. Um, And I liked to, I like seeing that and I would like to see more of that from him. I think that's a really big strength from orange County, especially if you're, you know, you're, run of play offense hasn't been great. We talked about, (laughs) we talked about the set pieces and how important those are going to be. And it really paid off. And I think it put Tulsa on their back heels and orange County was just had just a killer instinct. Um, 
So congratulations to Olaski on the hat trick. Again, Kaningas is playing well, two assists on the night. Um, so some a lot of a lot of success. Can we just say too, just for any um youngsters that may have watched our actual video of this, um, you watch on one of those goals, uh, the one where we're potentially saying it was a close to offside there. Uh, the whoever was the center defender for FC Tulsa is raising his hand, waiting for the flag to come out, and just sort of jogging back. Um, instead of running back to try and be in position, um, play to the whistle. I mean, you may think that there's offside and it may be called, but don't jog back with your hand up, hoping that the the flag gets raised because you never know what's going to happen there. And obviously, in that situation, it benefited Orange County, and it was probably. Uh, a bad call by that uh, that defender for doing that because that focus on raising the hand instead of hustling back led to um, an easy goal or at least a goal opportunity there for Orange County. So please, youngsters, don't try and wait for the whistle. Play until you hear the whistle. That's what I teach my kids all the time. And I, I know you're you guys are mad inside for me bringing up my youth soccer team again. Um, but that's all I'll say there. Um, let's do this. Um, any other last thoughts about this match, Dylan, before we start wrapping things up? No, but conceding what? Yeah, yes. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, conceding a goal in stoppage time is the story of my life. Oh, he had to get that in, folks. If you didn't realize or you didn't know if you weren't at the match, it was social distortion sort of night. Um, they were given they, they were selling the whatever uh, quantity or whatever inventory of the special collaboration merchandise uh, that they had still available. They were selling it at the stadium. Uh, I want to do I, I do want to say a quick uh, thank you to one of our listeners, uh, Russell. Uh, he ended up buying two of the hats that I wanted. And I literally went to the uh, shop there at the entrance of the stadium to get one of the hats, the one that has the the social distortion skeleton guy on it. And literally the person in front of me bought the last one uh, in the inventory. Um, I spoke to Russell at halftime. He had two hats. He had bought one for his son. He basically said if, if his son doesn't want it, he'll give it to me. He gifted it to me. So I appreciate that. So I just wanted to give a shout out. Thank you, Russell, for, for that hat. Um, much appreciated. But I, we did find out that it sounds like there's going to be a, a, another – run of the product they're going to do another uh print of the products uh because it was such a popular thing and and the best part about it, it it's all going towards uh what is it the uh boys uh boys boys and girls club or one of those things i don't think it's the boys and girls club i i forget what it is um but it's going towards a good cause the the profits the proceeds from those sales so uh when those get re-released if you want those make sure you get those ordered Big brothers and big sisters. Thank you, Mr. Producer, for um, helping me out there. Um, yeah, let's do this. Let's uh, let's start wrapping things up. Soccer news, random soccer news. I'll go to you first, Alan. Do you have any random soccer stuff that you want to discuss? Um, San Diego Wave is killing it right now, and they're fun to watch. So um, support women's sports. There we go. Um, for me, I'm just going to say for 90 something minutes, I was a uh, member of Toon Army and I was cheering on Newcastle uh, as they defeated Arsenal. Yes, I, I see Dylan's face. If you're watching the video, Dylan's face, because I get it. Any other time I'm not supporting the team or I'm not watching the team or I'm not cheering for them, but I needed them to beat Arsenal so that now Tottenham is in control. And now all Tottenham has to do is get a result against an already relegated Norwich City uh, in the final match of the season to make the top four and get into Champions League next season. Um, hopefully, I'm not jinxing it with that excitement there because, you know, it would be a, definitely a Spursy thing to uh, drop all three points against uh, a relegated team on the last match of the season when you can guarantee yourself Champions League. But so hopefully it works out. I have faith in Antonio Conte for that. Um, Dylan, random soccer stuff from you. I don't have anything. I, I, I want to second Alan's uh, support women's sports. <laughs> All right, random uh, random thoughts. Uh, I'll go to you first, Alan. Brad, you're lurking in the background. Your camera's not working. Your internet sucks today. If you want to type in your random thought, and uh, we'll let uh, Dylan or Alan or even I read it out loud, you can do so. If not, don't worry about it. Go, Alan. Random thought. Uh, my random thought is... Uh... Los Dos is uh, 
a joke and I hate it. And uh, San Diego sports fans don't get to see their team play in the month of May in person uh, in any reasonable capacity. Uh, the one chance we had was um, going to Los Dos to watch them play, but they don't let fans in, in a second division uh, professional soccer league not allowing fans in is an absolute travesty. I know we talked about this in the past. Um, I'm Orange County fans can commiserate as well because you would like to drive the short distance to watch your team play in person because that's why you sign up as a supporter. Uh, and it's absolutely terrible that the league is not requiring Los Dos to uh, open their stadium for fans. Um, and uh, it is a bad look for the league. Uh, it isn't a it's not a COVID issue. It's just a um, cost to operate issue. And if you're going to participate in the league, uh, you need to allow fans to watch your matches, uh, which means um, I'm out of town the next San Diego loyal match. So I don't get to see them play in person until June 19th, uh, which is terrible. Um, so, uh, Hey, COVID still a thing. Be safe. Wear a mask and uh, Los Dos. Uh, we can't wait to kick you out of the league and have you go to MLS next with their terrible logo and there are no fans anywhere. Dylan, what is your random thought for this episode? Well, on that from that fun little rant about, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, in the last, it's been kind of not a great month so far, huh? For for people, I mean, we have locally we've had a fire, and and now a shooting. Um, and across the country, we've had a puritanical, handmade, handmade tales esque rollback of of rights for the people that are the most marginalized in our society already. So, if you find yourself being a person who's not cool with that, it's probably time to start changing things because there's only so much water, and there's only so many things we can do to uh, further disenfranchise people we're kind of running out of options to, to even take anything from them at this point. So probably time to um, maybe do a little bit more than vote, um, make your voice be heard and uh, let's maybe fight for a slightly better future because I know a lot of people that have young kids listen to this podcast. I know a lot of younger people listen to this podcast and are generally fans of the USL. Man, we don't have a lot of time with the way that we've been treating the world. So we should probably treat it a little bit better. And then we should probably treat one another a little bit better in the meantime, because, uh, man, life's too short to be doing this kind of dumb stuff. Let's, let's, uh, let's be better. Or in the wise words of the former first lady, let's be best. And while that is a joke, like seriously, something's got to change because we've been doing the same thing for 50 years. Thank you, Dylan. Yeah, I'm gonna just sort of piggyback on that. Let's just let's be nice to each other. Let's 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 um not hate on people because of whatever differences there may be. Um it, it's it's difficult. Um, you know, the the whole shooting thing that happened uh in Laguna Woods, it, it sort of hit a little bit hard for me the other day because it, it, I when I found out who it was, that's my primary care physician. That uh, was the one that uh, was the hero in that incident, but lost their lives because of that. Um, you know, I had just changed primary care physicians, so I never got a chance to meet the guy. But from all the stuff that I read, um, he was a wonderful guy, a great physician, a great person. And we can see in what he did, um, this was an event with mostly elderly people. Um, from what I hear, he was taking his mom. His mom wanted to go to this event, this church uh, event. Um, and that's the reason he was there. And, uh, if you look at all the people that were injured, it was all people that were like 80, 90 years old, 70 years old. Um, so this, this guy was a hero because of what he did in stopping more deaths and more injuries. Um, so I'm sort of sad. I never got to meet the guy, but it also is just that whole, you know, one degree of separation, right? This guy was supposed to be on my doctor. So there was supposed to be this, there, there's this closest to it. So it makes you really think about, um, you know, what's going on and, and how can we be nicer to each other and how can we um, make the world a better place? And I, I know we're here to talk soccer and that's what we do most of the time, but I, I know I can speak for the two of you. I can speak for Brad. I can speak for our producer. Andy is, is we all hope for a, a better place where people can just get along and not 
fight over differences of, uh, you know, gender uh, and race and religion and all that stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, those things come come about. Um, so hopefully we can find a way. Hopefully there's a way to that, that things can happen. But, um, uh, you know, I just want to say this. I love you guys. I love our listeners. I love everyone that 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 is very supportive uh, uh, of what we do, supportive of others, and and trying to make this place of uh, this world a better place. So, um, before we wrap things up, I do want to thank our guests tonight. Uh, first, Phil talks foodie, uh, footy, uh, Phil Baki from the USL show, Seriously Loco, um, and whatever other projects he's doing. Um, thank you, Phil, for joining us tonight. Also. Um, Mr. Milan Alaski, the hat trick scorer from this past match for Orange County. Um, we appreciate both of those gentlemen for jumping on. Um, also for Dylan, for Alan, for Brad, when he was able to make it on, you know, with a, a spotty internet connection and our producer, Andy, uh, I want to thank all of the listeners. This is the orange and black soccer cast, and we are out. Orange County.